Welcome in. It's the Right to Talk Sports Show. It's Nick O'Kelly and Drew Howard here as always. It's great to have you guys here in the studio. It's our first ever podcast. It's going to be the Right to Talk Sports Network. And uh, we're here this evening from Charleston, South Carolina in the 907. Welcome in. I, I just can't say how much I am, how glad I am to have this thing up and running. Like I said, uh, it's been it's been a, 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 a tribute. A, a, trying time getting this audio equipment working so we can get this podcast going for you listeners out there but we are here today to talk about sports and welcome in drew how you feeling hey i'm good how are you <laughs> feeling good there's a lot of good stuff to talk about today and we're gonna jump right on in there i'm telling you what listeners it has been a crazy 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 sports season and really we're kind of starting the show at a bad time don't you think i mean <laughs> it's uh, the NBA's over. NFL's in a lockout. I mean, w- what's left, right? <laughs> but we do have the U.S. Open going on, as well as a little bit of NASCAR, I guess. Who really cares about the NASCAR? But <laughs> thank goodness we're here in Charleston. Uh, College World Series going on. We got a lot of topics to talk about. We're going to jump right on in it. And Drew, uh, you're a, you're a big golf guy, yeah? Yeah, uh, Roy McIlroy definitely made it an exciting day today, going out and uh, ending up at 11 under. So lowest uh, we've had through. 36 holes at a U.S. Open. Was it 36 holes? Yes, it was 36 holes. What was Tiger? It was it was a 97 when Tiger had such a great. Uh, what was that? The first at the two Masters, but you know that's okay. A okay, different major. So, so we've never even had anybody in the U.S. Open this low, right? No, U.S. Opens generally are one at two and three under. So for somebody to be sitting at 11 under through two rounds is pretty pretty impressive. And, and you know the thing about that is is the next one down is what Y E Yang and he's what y. negative four five, or, um, five negative. Yeah. <laughs> Minus five. Okay. Yeah, he's at, uh, so five after 36 holes, so. he's five under par. It's yeah. too bad Phil really couldn't get up in there. Yeah. I don't understand what's going on with the American golfers right now. Yeah, it's definitely a changing of the guard in the world scene. We've uh, we've got some good ones coming out of England. Uh, Rory and Graham McDowell out of Northern Ireland. Uh, Europe, the Europeans are definitely stepping it up. Uh, should be an interesting Ryder Cup and President's Cup. Yeah, you know, in the next and, couple of years. You think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Tiger has just kind of dropped off the face of the planet that the americans are just what do you think you think the americans are taking a step back because our leader our commander-in-chief tiger woods has has taken a step back and can't seem to get his head in the right place and so maybe the europeans are just taking advantage you think that's what's going on (laughs) Uh, it's just a natural cycle we saw this going through the late 80s into the early 90s uh you know stevy rest in peace it's sad we just lost him but uh yeah, yeah yeah It was it was really that whole kick in the late '80s, early '90s of Europeans stepping out, and then you had Tiger break onto the scene, re-energize golf in America. Um, but even then, I mean, you, you've got a whole new group that's coming out, and that's the great thing about this Golf Boys video that's on YouTube with uh, Bubba Watson and Hunter Mahan and Ricky Fowler. They're showing that this new breed of American golfer really is not your buttoned-up country club type. It's there, it's more of your uh, fun-loving, just typical American youth. And for those of you who who haven't uh, seen this, I mean, I, I've just got to pull this up because this this is just this is absolutely fantastic. Who do we have here? We got Bubba Watson, uh, and, Ricky Fowler, Hunter Mayhem, and uh, who's the fourth one? Uh, ben, ben Crane. Ben Crane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's almost like that Lonely Island, right? From SNL. <laughs> I definitely I mean, get a, this, I'm on a, the boat feeling. Yeah, I mean, it's like I'm on a boat. They've got the sunglasses and, and the, the pull-down hats. And <laughs> I love Bubba Watson and the overalls. And the overalls, yeah. Oh, God, dude. And they're doing this. Da- oh, where are they at? They're not even on a golf 
Well, yeah, they're on a golf yeah. course right there. They got the lightning in the background. <laughs> I wonder why they didn't get Rory on this thing. Well, it's American golfers. It's American so, golfers? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so. so that's what we got here. Well, just for you listeners out there, in case you haven't seen this, and I'm sure you have, you've got four American golfers, and they're doing really bad dancing. I'm more disturbed by the costumes. It reminds me of a golf version of the village people here. Yeah, right? They look like the men with no hats. Like, you always wanted to pull out a whip and say, uh, with it. They can dance if you want to. Right, right. We can, yes, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. We can dance if you want to. Not that you want us to, but good lord. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the thing is, when I first saw this, I thought Roy McIlroy was in it. Because, well, well, let me let me rephrase. I didn't first see it when I first heard it. Because I, I, I heard it on the radio, believe it or not. I, I thought that it was Rory that was in it, but no, no, it's not. <laughs> he would never do anything like that. And quite frankly, I think that's probably why they're not number one right now in the U.S. Open, and he is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people expected good things this week out of Bubba Watson. He's had a little bit of a slide um, somewhere. Let's see if we can get the rankings pulled up. But I think he's somewhere around three over or so. Um, not necessarily the best round, but definitely going to hang in there. He'll be around for the weekend. It's good to see Bubba Watson doing doing well. Uh, I really like him. Um, Brings a whole different atmosphere to the course. It's uh, pretty much as close to a happy Gilmore as we'll probably ever get. <laughs> right? Uh, I'm having trouble pulling this up. I'm so sorry. Oh, wait, here we go. Here's the leaderboard right here. I'm, I'm getting used to doing this podcast and the Internet. We're, we're really, listeners, we're really working on this technology, uh, the whole sports thing. You know, there's a lot of stats that go into sports. So you're just going to have to bear with us for this first episode here. But, um, okay, it looks like, who are we looking for, Bubba? Uh, where's he at? Goodness gracious, he's a long way down the list. I don't even see him. Yeah. <laughs> he's behind Phil, that's for sure. <laughs> you don't hassle him. You don't with your career. <laughs> uh, because I don't even see him in the in the top here. Where the heck is he? Oh, there he is. Okay, he's plus four. Plus four. So yeah. he's plus four. Uh, you know that's that's pretty good, I guess. I mean, like you were saying, I mean, with U.S. Open, you want to be a couple under. Yeah, yeah. Generally, you know, hanging around par is where you want to be. Um, Really, I'm not sure where Roy McIlroy came from. Uh, we saw this at Augusta. We saw this last year at the British Open. He's had these flashes of genius, but um, never been able to put it together. I really hope for his sake he can last this weekend, uh, get through Sunday's round four. I don't want to see him pull Le- uh, LeBron and quit in the fourth. <laughs> um, <laughs> quit on the fourth day. Yeah. <laughs> on the fourth day, he shall rise again. And he's rising again because he's not actually going to be competing at all. He's going to be rising up to heaven. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I- I'm proud to see uh, Rory doing well. I mean, he's 22 years old. I, I got to say he's younger than me. Crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it seemed it's, it, it was hard for me to say now that I'm older than the guy who's doing well in the U.S. Open. I never thought I'd say that. You know what I mean? But uh, uh, he, after that blow up, good lord, at the Masters. Yeah, that was that was quite painful, and I was honestly glad to see him rebound the way he did and come out yesterday, shoot like he did, come out today, and just take over. This he needs to get back on track, and a win here would go a long way from it. I mean. <laughs> 
you know, and and the thing about this is, is, is we we're look we're watching Tiger and, and everybody in golf, and quite and like I said, you know, Tiger is is the polarizing subject in, in golf, and still is, and and we're always looking for the next person who's going to step up, and maybe it's going to be Rory. I mean, because he he's probably the most uh, interesting player to watch right now, wouldn't you say? I mean, I. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, the shots that he's making and the things that he's doing with the golf ball—it's—it's it's so technically perfect. That's the beautiful thing about it. Is he's not flashy. He's not having to scramble. He's hitting fairways, hitting greens, making putts. I, if you're a fan of technical golf, you have to be admired by what he's doing. It's not like what Tiger does or what Phil does, where you see them make a really bad shot and then have to pull this miracle shot out of the pine straw. Or, you know, bend at 30 yards around a tree. Something like that. He's hitting straight to the center of the fairway, putting it on the center of the green, hitting a seven, eight foot putt each time. And, and it's just, it's beautiful golf. And that really is, that really is what defines Phil Mickelson. I mean, he, it's all about it's his short game. Yeah, it's scrambling. Yeah, I mean, Him he makes, Tiger. he he hits some god awful tee shots. Yes. Yeah, and and Rory, I, that one shot—I don't even know what hole it was on—but but he he shot it. Uh, he shot from about the middle of the fairway, hit the green, rolled back into the cup. I mean, it looked like yeah. Tiger. It really did. Yeah, you know that was uh, number eight. That was his eagle on the number. Today. Okay, well, yeah. and I'm just saying. I mean, that's it was a bummer that he he double bogeyed on 18. That really was that really was too bad because he hit. But you know, if you really watch that shot though. Anybody would have made that mistake. It's not like he hit a Phil Mickelson shot. And I'm going to call it that because Phil, like I said, hit some bad shots. Oh, no, it's just that's U.S. He, open he, bounced, he, bounced off, he bounced off the side of the thing into the drink. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. good job, Rory. I'm glad to see you going in. I hope that you can come out tomorrow and really just dominate because minus 11 after 36 holes is, is wild. And nobody wants to see Y.E. Yang win it. In the U.S. Open at Congressional, come on, guys! Really? I mean, you can avoid a uh, eighty on. Well, anyway, as I was saying, you know, Roy McIlroy, amazing job. Minus eleven, you're the new Tiger. I mean, and we have been looking for someone to step up to the plate. I, again, I didn't really expect it to be an Irishman in the U.S. Open, but hey, I'm okay with that. You know. I don't know if I don't really know of any American golfers that I'd rather see play better. I mean, especially after Rory did such a good job in the Masters. We we said this a few minutes ago, but I just can't emphasize enough how incredible of a job he was playing, and then just exploded. You know. Well, it's not like we hadn't seen that before at Augusta. It was very reminiscent of uh, Greg Norman in 86. Everybody looks at that as Jack's big win, but Greg helped him out quite a bit by going backwards there on Sunday. Um, the thing with Rory McIlroy is he really enjoys golf. You can tell every time you see him out there. But I felt for years when I watched Tiger play that he doesn't like it anymore. He doesn't have a passion for it. It's like he's out there doing it because it's his job. With Rory, you still see him loving golf on the course. He reminds me more of a Jack than a Tiger. Well, you know, and the thing about Tiger is that he's gone through several different uh, swing coaches now. Yeah. He's he, It's like he's ADD with – all right. Hold on, let me back up. Number one, he's a perfectionist. Number two, he's ADD about being a perfectionist. You know, I, I mean, he, he yeah. wants to be perfect with his swing. But the thing about his, the thing about it is, what was it? Hank Haney was his first swing coach. Uh, Haney was Haney second. was the second one. I'm sorry, yeah. and then it was. Uh, oh. 
I don't, don't even know, know who he's up to now. Well, yeah. <laughs> there you go. It's, yeah, it's, uh, but Butch Harmon, man, he was the first one, Butch and Harmon's and he first, was yeah. he was he wouldn't let him deconstruct it. He said he he was the one who said, "Tiger, you don't need to do anything to your swing," and that's the voice well, of reason really that no Tiger reason still to. needs to hear. Yeah, of course, there's not. Jack's what? swing today is the same as it was forty years ago. Tiger Arnold's is so obsessed. Swing, other than age changing it and him not being able to contort his body, is still the same motion. And here's I mean, my they here, think here, of changing their swing. Yeah, right. Well, here's my big question. Here's my big question. Everybody's saying, "Oh, well, he's falling apart because you know he took steroids." Blah 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 blah. And maybe that is the case. But don't you think that maybe he's putting extra pressure on that knee that he's having so much trouble with because he's changing the swing so much? Oh, absolutely. He needs to find a more ergonomic way to swing, and that's truly an issue with it. And He, he needs to go back to having fun. I just When I watch Tiger Woods play, I don't feel like he's having fun, and that's a serious issue because golf, you need to have fun. Yeah, I mean, after Butch Harmon, he, he took on Hank Haney, who said, okay, let's break this down. Let's totally... Uh, Let's totally, uh, you know, reconstruct it, and, uh, and and he did. And I just think that was a bad idea on Tiger's part. But anyway, we're hard up against the first break. Uh, it's been a it's been a quick it's been a quick first segment. Uh, again, welcome in. It's the right to talk uh, right to talk sports show. We're so glad to have you here. We'll be back in sixty seconds. Thanks a lot. Keep listening. The Miami Heat are not great. LeBron, are you from France? Are you going to shoot a le shot and take a le seat after the loss? I'm sorry, le loss? Miami Heat, what is in your city? Heat. Very describing. Thanks. <laughs> oh, where are you going, Miami? Why? Heat, it's hot. Yeah, come to a sauna. It's cheaper and has better name. <laughs> Miami sauna. <laughs> I would watch this. Miami Heat, stay home. <laughs> Stay home. Pat Riley, how much grease is on your hair? More than John Travolta movie. Grease. There was a sequel. You have more than both of those. Yeah. Uh, this guy, listeners, and welcome back in. It's the uh, Right to Talk Sports Network radio show. Nick O'Kelly, Drew Howard here. Welcome in. Like I said, it's our first podcast for this particular radio show. And we're so glad you're here. It's a great gig to have, don't you think, Drew? You uh, enjoying absolutely. it? Absolutely. I'm having the time of my life. I mean, this is great. Uh, this guy here, his name is Flula. He's a German guy, and he's talking about uh, Dirk Nowitzki, if, if you couldn't figure out. He's actually going off on the heat in this particular YouTube video. But if you guys haven't heard this thing, man, you really should go check it out. I mean, he's just he's going off on it. You know, He's talking about how Juwan Howard's old and Chris Bosh looks like a raptor. <laughs> <laughs> Even goes after Eric Dampier there. Yeah, yeah. It's Stampia. It's Stampia because you're sitting on the bench. <laughs> you were right. Serve chocolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, this guy is great. Uh, you should go check it out for sure. But hey, I mean, congratulations, Dallas Mavericks, right? 
Oh, absolutely. The Mavericks really stepped it up. They showed what team ball can do. And uh, we did have the collapse out of LeBron. He did quit again there in games five and six. But, uh, yeah, uh, other than that, i got to give my hat off to the Mavericks. They definitely stepped up. And I don't know if you saw it at all, Drew, but did you see any of the Dallas's parade? I did not see any of the Dallas's parade. Oh, my I, God. Uh, uh, Dirk Nowitzki sang um, We Are the Champions. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you, it was great. Uh, it was it was hilarious. He he. But you know, the thing is, Mark Cuban has a lot of money. We all know that. Yeah. You know, and and everybody's talking about how he's not going to get the rings. Well, here's the thing: Mark Cuban's actually he's actually just trying to come up with a different design. He's saying, you know, well, let me bring you a different design, guys. And if they don't, if the players don't like it, uh, he's going to still get them the rings. But he's just trying to do it in style because he's a stylish owner. Did you see a South Beach bar tab? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like $111,000 the night after the championship. Well, let me and tell he you. he picked it up. He grabbed that for everybody. This, I mean, uh, even Eric Dampier was at the party. <laughs> <laughs> the parade was crazy. I mean, it really was. He, he, he rocked that out. Well, this is Dirk Nowitzki we are the champions. I mean, Stuff maybe it's just my love of John Hughes movies, but uh, really, if we got a German up there singing at a parade, should it have been Dunkin' Shane? Well, the question is, um, who's a better frontman, Dirk and Whiskey or uh, uh, Queen? What's his name? Freddie Mercury. <laughs> Dirk needs to stick to basketball. Yeah, well, just wait till you see this video. I mean, we're sitting here watching this video. Here he is right here. Dirk and Whiskey's big seven-foot German. I mean, what do you really expect him to sound like? You know? You expect him to sound kind of like a retard. Well, that's exactly what he sounds like when he's singing We Are the Champions. And I'm sorry this video is taking so long to actually get to the thing here, but here he goes right here. And we're going to let you hear this for just a second. family just won and we're just singing <laughs> oh god <laughs> well i'm gonna just say you know dirt nowitzki great job right Oh, definitely. Great job on the court. Um, you know, your uh, sinus infection game, you stepped up. It was very much like uh, Jordan. Hey, listen. You know, it was very reminiscent of the uh, Fever game. Just be careful because he might jinx you because, you know, the, the Heat made fun of him and, and then they lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, uh, Dirk really showed up. and, and, and But the difference was in this game was, I, I think, Jason Terry. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Goodness gracious. Could we could we ever have a better sixth man than Jason Terry coming off 17 points off the bench in game six? Well, and J.J. Barea really stepped up, too. I mean, getting inserted into the starting lineup for the last couple games and uh, playing the way he played between J.J. Barea and Jason Terry, it really took a lot of the pressure off. Dirk was able to play his game, and it, it was all around team ball. It was what you expect to see out of an NBA championship team that's not L.A. It, it was what we saw with... Uh, in 2006 with the Pistons. It's what we saw in 2008 with the Celtics. It's anytime you can get a team together that plays really good team ball collectively, you're going to be successful. As, as much emphasis as they put on the superstars in the NBA, it's really the collective that still gets the job done. And speaking of J.J. Barea, man, I, I have never seen someone get to the paint 
Like that guy. Oh, he created his own lanes. That guy was nuts. He was going through lanes that didn't exist. He was walking <laughs> I mean, through people. Somebody he, needs to check him to see if he should have been an X-Men. I'm not even sure if, you know, you know Muggsy Bogues. Growing up, I was a big Charlotte Hornets fan. I really was. And, I, in fact, I had a Muggsy Bogues jersey. I still do somewhere in my closet. This guy looked like Muggsy Bogues, you know, Stepchild, I guess. I mean, the guy was just—he's nuts. Like he had the bloodline going. I I don't understand. You know, I'm going to say the Dallas Mavericks. Good job because I went into this thing. I have a sports blog, and you guys can read it at riddlemesports.blogspot.com. I really thought that the Miami Heat were going to dominate this, and you called it. You called the Dallas Mavericks to win this thing. You said. Uh, yeah. Listeners, Drew Howard called it. He said, Mark Cuban has kept his mouth shut. He is going to win this game or, or win this series. And they did. Well, that's what the surprising thing to me was, is how the entire world stepped up and started cheering Mark Cuban. Yeah. Mark Cuban is <laughs> parentally on the list of the douchiest people in the world. Not even just in sports. <laughs> in entertainment across the board, he is on the douchiest list. And all of a sudden, he's the white hat. He's the hero. Everybody in the world's like, go Dallas. We want to see you win. We want to see Jason Kidd win. We want to see Dirk Nowinski win. We don't want to see LeBron win. <laughs> <laughs> Which is wild to me because just a couple of years ago, they were praising LeBron. And me too. Listen, I'm a big LeBron fan. I oh, don't, what I don't You under- actually enjoyed the decision. You're one of the few people I know yeah, that did. <laughs> well, I did. I don't understand why LeBron didn't come out here and dominate because the man is talented. He looks like a linebacker. I mean, he, he's like a Shaq, except for the fact that he's thinner and more athletic. I'm really having to question his heart. Every time he gets some adversity coming against him, he backs down. We saw it two years ago uh, when Cleveland went up against Orlando. We saw it, uh, you know, saw it last year when they went up against Boston. Boston got them down, and as soon as they got down to the Mavericks, LeBron was nowhere to be found. He was standing off in the corner. He wasn't interjecting himself in the game. It's it's really coming down to a question of heart. And right now, everybody is making these jokes about, oh well, you know, we're we're gonna have. Have a uh, we're we're gonna do the the why didn't he show up to the final or what what is it what is the joke why didn't he go to the well uh, the minor league team in Peoria Illinois is giving away LeBron James championship ring night for the promotion they're talking about it's the cheapest promotion they've ever had because they're literally gonna have people standing at the gate handing nothing to you when you come through <laughs> and they're also petitioning their minor league baseball league to uh, do away with the fourth inning in honor of LeBron <laughs> I mean but the thing so. is he really didn't show up in the fourth quarter and like I said I'm one of the biggest LeBron supporters that I think I've ever met I mean especially against uh, yourself Drew I I don't uh, you have fought me all season long about it and I've kept telling you and and I'm having to eat crow right now about it I'm having to sit here and say ladies and gentlemen listeners of this show I have been calling LeBron's name for years and years and years and he he disappointed me he really did and I'm not going to lay all the blame on him I feel like Dwayne Wade couldn't make shots yeah. Uh, you know, Chris Bosch played hard. The thing with the way LeBron's been performing in the championship games over recently is it's making me wonder. Back in uh, 2004, the only real spot we've ever had on our national dream team since it started in 92, you know, the, the one year, 2004, we did not have a good Olympic Games. And uh, what did we end up taking? Bronze that, bronze that game, I think? That was the only one we didn't take gold. Yeah, and uh, LeBron was a big key part of that team. That was where they supposedly came up with the idea to meet in Miami. Um, You know, 
I, I just got to wonder if did he corrupt the national team? <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I have called LeBron's name for years and years and years, and he really did disappoint me. But, and again, I'm not going to lay all the blame on him, but he was a big part of it for sure. For sure. I mean, he again, a lot of the team was just not hitting shots towards the end of that series. Yeah, but LeBron really, was hiding in a corner. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, actually said before the series started that the two difference makers in the series would be Jason Terry and Martin, uh, Mike Miller. And Jason Terry stepped up, Miller didn't. And well, Mike Miller was good at the beginning. He was good at the beginning, but then he faded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he sure was. And, you know, yeah. again, I, I hate it. But uh, but congratulations, Dallas Mavericks, because the, uh, first championship in team history. I mean, you go back to the fact that Dwayne Wade beat the Dallas Mavericks in, in 2006 with Shaq, and, and he already has a ring. And even though LeBron doesn't and Chris Bosh doesn't either, they have joined Dwayne Wade's team. And I think, it's, and I think this is further proof proof that this is Dwayne Wade's team because they did beat the Mavericks in 2006. Yeah. Yeah. Um, If anything, my heart has to go out to Chris Bosh on this one because he actually played like a champion. He was the only person on that Heat team that showed up and played like it. You got to wonder if he rubbed uh, a sign at the top of the door frame that said play like a champion today just like a Notre Dame before each thing and he was the only one that did it. (laughs) He's a seven foot tall Rudy. Yeah, right. (laughs) He was the only one of the whole team that was like, all right, let's play like a champion today. And everybody's like, ah, screw you, Chris (laughs) Bosh. Why don't you just go uh, cry in a corner? That's what you're good at. <laughs> you Donix Haslam's, you know. I mean, but I, you know, the thing is, I feel bad for him because he did play really hard. Uh, but anyway, but I, but I digress because we have a couple other topics to get to, and one of them being again that we are in, in Charleston, South Carolina, South Carolina Gamecocks. Going to the World Series again, ladies and gentlemen, in Omaha, Nebraska, for the second year in a row, and I am calling it right now. It is a repeat, right? I mean, let's 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 take a look at the at the lineup. We got a couple of people to look at. You know, I I always have people ask me, well, who do you think uh, is, is people to look at in in this lineup? And I know this is kind of a quick a quick transition, but I just want to get this into this segment. You know, you got Deshaun Anderson as an outfielder. You got Matt Price. You got Adrian Morales, second baseman. Uh, you got uh, Scott Wingo as an infielder. I mean, these guys are. This is one of the best uh, lineups that South Carolina has seen with Ray Tanner as, as the head coach leading the way. And these guys won the championship last year. They're bringing it back this year. And who are they going to play? I mean, the thing is, it's been a great series. Uh, they, they dominated Florida 8-2 to two in that last game to get to Omaha. And, and it hasn't started yet. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm excited. Good in the super regionals. Uh, I, I'm, I am excited to see this. I really am. Yeah. Especially living in the state of South Carolina. I mean, this is going to be a good. What well, was a good year for SEC baseball? Vanderbilt made it to Omaha for the first time, and uh, that's a really big turnaround for their program. So it's nice to see Vandy some... getting somewhere, right? It is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you always kind of feel like Vandy's the stepchild of the SEC. You know, they're the ones that get beat up on in football. Uh, One of my favorite things to see about Vanderbilt was today. I was watching. Uh, <laughs> I was watching ESPN Classic, and or actually it might have been Fox Sports. It might have been Fox Sports, but anyway, it was it was one of the old games, and it was Florida and Vanderbilt, 
And I don't even remember. It was nine, 1995 was, was the year of the game. I don't remember who the Florida quarterback was, but he, he hiked the ball. And I just and they were building it up, you know, the, the people that were showing the game. They always do the little bubbles that tell you about what was going on in the game and everything. And they're like, all right, this is the play that changed the course of the game. And he hikes the ball as third down. You know, they're about five yards from the, from the first down line Florida is. And Vanderbilt just runs past the line and sacks the quarterback. And it's like, oh, yes, Vanderbilt's taking the lead. Well, they still lost. Like twenty four nothing. That was their one great play of the game. <laughs> it was the one of the game, right? I mean, Vanderbilt. Everybody says is the SEC's way into uh, better academics. Yeah, well, I mean, raises the GPA. They did have that great <laughs> moment during basketball season where the Commodore punched the fan. <laughs> I'm always down for watching a fan get beat by the mascot. But it's good to see him. I mean, it's great to see him in the World Series. You know, the thing oh, about uh, I'm not I'm not a huge baseball fan. Uh, I do enjoy going to the baseball park and watching a good baseball game. But I'll tell you one thing: I love watching the College World Series, and I'm great. I'm I'm very glad living in SEC country to see not only South Carolina but. Getting back to the World Series again. Well, listen, we are hard up against the brakes, so we got another one coming. Uh, again, stay tuned. I don't have no mixed suggestion. I don't need your plan. I'll figure it out when I'm on my own, and I will make a stand. Don't pull me into politics and take away my dreams. It's what you do, you hypocrite. I'll bring it to your knees. This is how we roll. I've heard them all before You can keep on yelling You can burn this bridge Cause in the end you'll be drowning And I'll have my life to live This is how I Try to hold me back, the worst will be released And I don't have no questions, I learned along the way Cause from here on out I'll live my life So try to have some faith This is how I Nick O'Kelly and Drew Howard here as always from the 907 in beautiful Charleston, South Carolina. We're so happy to be here tonight. Like I said, just a great gig to have. We got a new sports podcast show. This is the first one ever. Welcome in. I'm so glad you're listening. Right, Drew? 
You oh, absolutely. It? I mean, yeah. we're just so yeah. glad yeah. to Thank have you for some, listening. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, without you guys, we wouldn't have a show. And quite frankly, I don't even know who you guys are. Thanks <laughs> for we being have, out there if you are. Yeah, right. <laughs> Eventually, we'll have you be able to call in. But uh, right now, we're just kind of getting started. Uh, but we're, we're all about sports here. We, we're going to talk about sports and, and keep you up to date on what's going on right now. And over the weekend, we already talked about golf. The other big competition was uh, Pocono and Jeff Gordon. I mean, pushing 40 years old, Jeff Gordon has managed to win Pocono, which is a road course. Uh, it's not a road course. It's a triangle-shaped course. Right, but it's not a straight-up... It's not a straight-up cookie-cutter track. not a straight-up cookie-cutter yeah. track, right. Yeah, you've got uh, three turns from the airport <laughs> instead of the four, but, but he, definitely not a road course. <laughs> Two-and-a-half-mile track, and uh, he has had... F- this is his fifth win on it, which is great. I mean, it's no Jimmy Johnson. But it, <laughs> but it is Jeff Gordon. You know, it depends on when you talk to Jeff Gordon as to and, and perhaps which race he won as to when he, where he's actually from. But he's from what? Michigan? Uh, I believe Indiana. Indiana. That's Indiana, what it is. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. He's from Indiana. But, I mean, he's definitely a West Coast kid. Uh, but congratulations, Jeff Gordon. I mean, like I said, you know, back in the day, Jeff Gordon was the one. I mean, he took over Dale Earnhardt when he came down. Oh, that was definitely a big rivalry. And uh, the sad thing is, really, we haven't seen Gordon do much since 2001. Um, that was the last time he won a championship. And that was, of course, the year Dale died. And it's unfortunate that he hasn't really been able to step up. And, uh, you know, once the Rivalry ended, he basically fell off too. And a lot of that was his protege, Jimmy Johnson, coming up. Five straight championships. That's unbelievable. But Well, and a lot of credit can go to crew chief Alan uh, Gustafson. Uh, yeah. Okay, Gustafson. I'm, I'm sorry, you have to pronounce, help me with the pronunciation there. But, you know, look at Rick Hendricks' offseason right now. I mean, Pocono, he had Jeff Gordon win, but he also had Jimmy Johnson and Dylan Hart Jr. in the top six, right? I mean, yeah. that's pretty yeah. wild. So yeah, uh, Rick Hendrick, uh, Hendrick Motorsports is getting back up there. They're definitely still, which, I mean, you've taken the last four championships. It's kind of hard not to be on top. Yeah, it's too bad he punched that guy out. <laughs> no, that was Richard Childress. Oh, right. Well, let's transition yeah. to that just a little bit. Richard Childress punched. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, the bad blood between Childress and Bush is Kyle Bush. Uh, that's it's getting up there. The whole organization now apparently has it out for Kyle Bush. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what plays out at Michigan this week. Uh, the suspend or the uh, probation has been lifted off of both Bush and uh, Kevin Harvick. So Harvick's uh, said there'll be some payback out there. So uh, we'll we'll definitely see what happens. Well. Always an exciting uh, to see these type of rivalries in, in NASCAR, and I think that's one thing that makes it just such a better sport. It is. You, you need rivalries in that sport. You know, you need a white hat, you need a black hat, and that, that's what made Dale Earnhardt such a great driver for so long. Was he understood that, and you know, he he was willing to be the villain. He was willing to be the intimidator. And either you loved him or you hate him. It's too many people out there now get so caught up in this "I have to please everybody" mentality. I have to be non-offensive. I have to be like a Matt Kenseth. Matt Kenseth out there really nobody gets upset with him and why should they he minds his own business he drives his race and it paid off for him in 2003 so much that they changed the point setup. i mean he, <laughs> he was like mark cuban this season he was he's, he's how mark cuban was but you know um nascar is one of those sports where we kind of need the way mark cuban normally is yeah, we, I mean, we need a brash loud mouth uh someone that's not afraid to be offensive and you're either gonna love or hate because the the thing about nascar with 43 drivers 
out there on the track, it's not that you have one person to cheer for. You've got a lot of people to cheer against. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that's a good point. And that also really brings into question this whole situation with Danica Patrick. Because who is she going to fight? Yeah. You know, I mean, in the IndyCar series, you see her getting out of her car at the end of a race and just yeah. going to punch another chick in the face. But the problem is, who's she going to punch in the face in the NASCAR series? And and she is a free agent, by the way. I think she could probably take Kyle Busch. You think so? I, I definitely <laughs> think so. Um, well, is that bad for Kyle Busch or good for Danica Patrick? Uh, both. <laughs> both. And, uh, maybe it would be good for Richard Childress, too. You know, if you can get Danica to go in there and fight, that'll be a big enough publicity stunt. NASCAR shouldn't be upset. <laughs> <laughs> and she is a free agent, like I said. She is, yeah. So everybody's wondering, well, what's she going to Well, of course she's going to NASCAR. Nah, you got to follow the money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You'd be stupid not to go to NASCAR. Why would you stay in the IndyCar race? I mean, sure, you know, there's all the whole, oh, well, the IndyCar series is all about the passion. It's all about the, the fast-paced racing. It's a different car. It's, it's, it's a different challenge. Well, you know, okay, well, the better racers are in NASCAR. So if you want to challenge, you're going to go to NASCAR, right? Uh, yeah, NASCAR is still very American, though. They have branched out and ran some races in Canada and Mexico City, but for the most part, it's still American. It's I compare it to uh, American football and soccer. IndyCar, soccer, the rest of the world loves that. They love the Grand Prix cars. Uh, you know, not so big into NASCAR, but... We are in America, so NASCAR's where it's at. And by the way, Kyle Busch finished third in Pocono, and the only problem with that was apparently NASCAR announced that his number 18 Toyota. Did you know this? Drew? Yeah, his car was illegal. Yeah, failed uh, post-race inspection. He was fined some points and like $25,000. The left front end was yeah. too low. Yeah. How do you make that mistake? <laughs> I guess they need better measuring. <laughs> Your front end's too low. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, I mean, it could have happened during the race. They could have bumped into somebody, uh, pit stop, something they could have taken out and accidentally lowered it. Th- things happen, but, you know, when NASCAR puts that template on you, your car better be right. It's pretty wild that they have those type of specifications and that they keep such a crazy check on it. And and I guess that plays into a lot of the fans' ideals of of what has happened to the NASCAR race and how they've, they've become such, uh, shall I say, Nazis over the whole thing. Uh, they're very particular on what they want, and they're trying to make it as stock as can be, which, you know, there's nothing stock about an 800-horsepower car. But yeah. <laughs> they're, they're trying to make it as clear across the board and as uh, even as can be. But, uh, I mean, the big news out of Michigan today was all the Joe Gibbs cars had illegal oil pans. Yeah. <laughs> so they're all waiting to see what's going to happen with that, and they're having to go to backup cars and try to get that figured out. So uh, there's the old adage in NASCAR, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So that's just I like that. Way to remember. Yeah. Well, but that's the truth. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting cup race for sure. Uh, again, congratulations, Jeff Gordon. Uh, hopefully he'll be able to. Well, I mean, I don't know if I'm, hopefully if you're a fan of Jeff Gordon, hopefully uh, he'll be able to maybe even make a run for this championship. Uh, that would definitely be something interesting to see. Uh, I think a lot of us are getting to the point now where it's anybody but Johnson. So. Well, and, you know, I, it's so funny to even say that, really, because uh, I lived in North Carolina for such a long time and Johnson one of his best tracks is Charlotte Motor Speedway. Yeah. In fact, I've seen him win, I think, five races there. Yeah, I've had to see too many that yeah. I didn't really get to see that myself. Well, because for so long, it was Lowe's Motor Speedway, which they've lost the, the rights to that now, and that's why it's the Charlotte at this point, but he drove the Lowe's 
car. Yeah. So everybody thought that was pretty. Uh, but Lowe's car always went the Lowe's track. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, we're we're about to have we're about to head into another break. But before we do, I just want to touch on one quick uh, one quick question here. Uh, we want to touch on uh, who's the who's the douchey who's the douchiest sportscaster. We talked about this a minute ago because Mark Cuban has been known as the biggest douche in the NBA for so long. But there's so many. There, and, and 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 the reason I'm bringing this up is just just really just a fun thing to bring up for you listeners because Drew and I always talk about this and in, 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 while we're not on the show here. But um, there's so many sportscasters that really just. It kind of irk your nerves. Yeah, that right? when you're watching, you're just like, "Shut up!" Yeah. Where's my mute button? You and, and, know? Go we, back to Barkley. Yeah, we <laughs> we bring this because right now, and who are they? Bob Costas, number oh, one. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and why do definitely. we bring that up? Because we just saw him at the U.S. Open yeah. <laughs> interviewing McElroy, which apparently McElroy is going to see a movie this evening. Uh, but Bob Costas, that's what he was asking him about. But, I did not uh, realize that you could make the Olympics such an elitist event, but somehow Bob Costas always manages just, to. And maybe it's be- you think it's because he's on HBO? I don't know. He's on NBC a lot, too. He so. is on NBC a lot. NBC. And uh, one of my favorite broadcasters is Dan Patrick. And I think he's yours yeah. too, one of yours, too. Yeah. And uh, it, what's so funny to see those two together, because <laughs> when you see Dan Patrick <laughs> and Bob Costas, he's always pretty much just talking down to him. Yeah, I would be right? surprised if those two go out for a beer. Oh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, Bob yeah. Costas clearly does not like Dan Patrick. And Dan Patrick clearly thinks he's a lot better than Bob Costas. And he is. He is. Yeah. <laughs> Stuart Scott's another one that Stuart, just gets yeah. on my nerves. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And he was at the NBA Finals. And this is why we're bringing this up, because the, the Finals is always the one that comes into play and you start thinking, oh, okay, well, uh, we've got the best of the best right now. we got the NBA Finals. we got the NHL Finals, which were fantastic. We'll get to that in the next segment. But you see the best of the best as far as the sportscasters, quote-unquote, come out in these Finals. And Bob Costas and Stuart Scott are, are always involved. Stuart Scott, what's the deal with his glasses? Uh I'm not sure. I don't know if it's the beady eyes or if it's the beady glasses. But either way, he paid too much for either one of them. Uh, to me, it looks like he took them off a 40-year-old housewife. <laughs> one of those people that's still trying to be hip way past Wait, the, the eyes or the glasses? The glasses. Okay. Yeah, the glasses, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the question is, do you think Joe Buck is... Uh, I do. Joe Buck has like this level of arrogance about him when you're watching a game that I just, uh, yeah, I'd put Joe Buck on the list. It's hard not to be arrogant when you have that kind of voice. Yeah, but I wish I had that voice. I never really found Harry Carey or arrogant. He always had a very distinctive voice. Well, Harry so. Carey had a stroke. <laughs> I still didn't really feel that he was acting on that arrogant. Yeah, so. you know, I do. Th- I do have to say that uh, Will Ferrell nailed Vern that. Vern Lundquist doesn't like that. I mean, oh, Vern he's Lundquist distinct. is great. Yeah, he's old school. Yeah, he's, he's old, old school, school. But I mean, the old school guys are great. Yeah. Yeah, they understand what sports. It's all about this is. new generation that's just in it for the money. They're not in it for the passion of the sport. And Joe Buck, you know, he just he's short. You know, he doesn't have a whole lot to look forward to because he's short. So he just said, "Well, I got a better voice than you, so I'm going to exploit that. I'm going to yeah. do sports." So Joe Buck. It wouldn't hurt for him to elaborate on things, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's Troy Eggman's job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're up against it again. We're going to go ahead and take a, and take a short break here. Uh, when we come back, we're going to wrap up the show. we got a little bit of NHL to talk about. Uh, it's been a great NHL Finals, by the way. I hope you guys watched it, but we're going to talk about it next. So stay tuned. It's the uh, Right to Talk Sports Network. Drew Howard, Nick O'Kelly. Stay tuned. <laughs> 
Marshawn over the line, left side, and Rich Peverly closing in, put in front, loose puck, save the long goal, the rebound, bat and wide. And now back into the Bruins zone, Daniel Sedin to the right corner, feeds it off to Henrik, right side, closing in, in front of the net, put it towards the net, and Seidenberg got a piece of it to block it, and Thomas covers it up. Best chances for both teams there in that last sequence. Sedin holding on to it as he does so well, taking the puck to the net. But just before that, Beverly makes the backhand pass in front. It goes off of Luongo, and then Luongo diving back to his left. May have had some help from Malhotra. Henrik Sedin picks up his first point of the final in game six. Barrels over the line right side. Plays it across to Daniel. Backhander! Save Thomas! And he reached behind him with a glove to make sure he had it. That was one heck of a catch. Welcome back in. It's the Right to Talk Sports Network. Nick O'Kelly, Drew Howard here as always. I don't, did you see that? I did. I did. I was very impressed by Tim Thomas's play. He was amazing for the entire final series. Um, wow. That's all I can say is wow. And by the way, I'm just going to throw this in there. Uh, Senator Kerry, or uh, yeah, Senator Kerry, if you're listening to this show, it's Tim Thomas. Yeah, not, not Tim, Tim O'Brien. O'Brien. <laughs> crazy like that particular play that we just played for you he he you can't see it obviously they're out there in radio land but he reached behind him to grab that puck yeah that was that was an amazing catch this guy's 38 years old 38 I mean, years old only the second american in the last like two decades to win the Cosmi trophy and he has played i mean this is one of those players where the boston bruins there is no way that they knew bringing him on that he was going to be the one to take them to his pen and he he let me tell you he took them yeah yeah he carried that team oh yeah i mean, I mean it's mean, amazing it's a great sports story they should make a movie about that yeah <laughs> right <laughs> we'll call it uh, thomas instead of uh, instead of what was it miracle yeah, miracle. We'll uh, just call yeah, it Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like uh, you, you think you're going to see Luongo be the hero of this series, and I, I even think it's Lebron it's really, goes. <laughs> <laughs> You really got to be feel a little bit bad for Vancouver because this was in Vancouver that they lost. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, both championships this week took place on the uh, losing team's home court, mm-hmm. home ice. So. And who who has a better game seven than the NHL? That was good. I, game six was still very good, though. Miami-Dallas. Uh, I, I don't know. It I, was? I'm still tossed up on which is the better championship game. I've been asked that question like five times this week, and I've just uh, I've had to divert it every time. I mean, I know that a lot of Americans are not real. Well, I don't even know if I can say that anymore because let me tell you, after last year watching the NHL, and this year especially, this was, this was an excellent NHL season. It was. And, I, and I'm sure you remember, because I remember very well the NHL lockout. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and everybody's kind of like, oh, well, who cares? It's the NHL. Well, when they came back, man, I was I was really excited to see them come back. But they, they have really lived up the hype ever since then. I mean, it seems like every year, the finals, even if the regular season hasn't been that dramatic, this year I thought it was. But going into the finals, you know, you had Tampa Bay just really trying to make a run for it. They're always great. It's wild to see the Southern teams. And now, you know, Atlanta, the Thrashers are heading up to Winnipeg. Yeah. yeah, Which is pretty cool. The Thrashers are leaving. Um, 
Washington, once again, they've something's got to give there. Alex Ovechkin really has got to step up. He's got to find a way to win because this going out in the first and second round each playoff series is just really hurting him. But like you were saying, though, hockey in America is at what should be the peak. There was a great Winter Olympics last year. That was just oh, amazing man. with the hockey in there with Jim Miller versus Luongo. And you, you had that great rivalry. You had U.S. beat Canada in the uh, preliminary rounds and then, you know, come back to play them in the gold medal game. And it was huge. I have never been as excited about American hockey in terms of Olympic USA hockey. Yeah. As I was last year, you know, other than Mighty Ducks 2. <laughs> <laughs> that knuckle puck was wicked. Yeah, so. it was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was great, right? Like you, you sit there watching that, and you're like, "Man, this is gonna be great!" And they and they did. They rocked Canada in yeah, that game. Yeah, they, it was amazing. And, and I, I was so glad. And going into overtime, you know, it took Sidney Crosby to step up and be the uh, game winner that everybody expected him to be to win the gold medal, and that was just beautiful. And the series this year has been amazing with the finals. Hockey should be at its peak in America now. And and, and, and listen, let me just go ahead and say to our Canadian listeners, if there are any, I, I've got all the all the respect in the world for you. I know it's your sport. I know you like, you know, you, you produce the best players, so on and so forth. But I have to say, and you can read this again in my in my blog at riddlemesports.sportsblog.blogspot.com. Uh, I'm glad to see it stay in America. I really am. Yeah, you know the Boston Bruins haven't won since in like forty some years. Yeah, yeah. so it, it's great for me just being an American to see it go back to one of the northern cities that really deserve it. I mean, the Boston Bruins, one well, of the Boston's original NHL so, teams. Yeah, they've been so dominant though in all sports. Boston sports landscape right now is amazing. In the last what five years you've had them win every major sports title now yeah that's true and the yeah. red sox are yeah. on quite a tear the red sox are on quite a tear they finally got some offense behind them they're looking good this year um could be another could be another championship there um the big threes coming back next year in the nba you know if they can stay healthy there might be one more run there with uh the big three and, and uh, rondo thought it was going to be this year would be their last run but you're right yeah they might have one more in them yeah. they really <laughs> and i bet yeah I heard someone say it the other day, but I'm going to say it too. I, I bet the big three, as well as um, Derek Rose, are sitting there during the NBA Finals, just watching those games and saying, "Really, is this who we lost to?" Yeah, yeah. After uh, the no heart and the way that they played coming down in games five and six, uh, because you have to think that if Boston had made it to the finals, which they probably should have. Uh, you had a lot of issues there. You had Shaq out. Um, betting on Shaq was just idiotic is the best term I could put it. And uh, Rondo getting his arm ripped off, still playing for that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. Boston definitely pro uh, proved that they have heart in spades where Miami doesn't. Yeah, and I again, Boston probably should have been there. They had their own issues. Had they had been there, you have to wonder if they would have won. Yeah, I mean because Boston always seems to be able to show up at the end, of, uh, you know, at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. 
And at the big game, Boston seems to be able to pull it out. Yeah. So I just – you got to wonder if Dallas would have won if it had been anybody but Miami. I mean, Chicago was a, a great team, and so was Boston. But back to the NHL, I mean, the Bruins, again, haven't won in so many years. And being one of the original NHL teams, I was really pulling for them to be able to bring the Stanley Cup back home to America, and I'm glad that they did, on Vancouver's home court. Yeah, on their uh, ice. So it, it was really a shame, too, to see the uh, total – breakdown in the anarchy in Vancouver following it. Uh, yeah, I grew up in North Carolina. I've seen Franklin Street ablaze from the championship fires, you know, and people would like that. <laughs> it, it's good to go out and celebrate when you win, but you have to win to do that. Yeah, right. I mean, you can't. You can't. But now, did you see the one the one uh, couple that was making out? Yeah, the, the apparently <laughs> now it wasn't them actually making out. I think he was doing CPR or something. Oh, my there's, God. Yeah, there's a new update on it on, on uh, Yahoo I just saw. Well, so. that's probably just covering up for the fact that they were really getting it on. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Well, my thing is, did you see the people with the mask? Apparently, they were professional rioters that were showing up to this. Vancouver has its own group of professional See, we have the green men from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. They have professional rioters. Yeah. (laughs) And maybe it's the drugs. <laughs> Canada does have legal substances that we don't have here in America. Maybe it's the drugs. Yeah, and they're only about an hour north of Seattle. So. <laughs> That's funny. Drugs well, you know, I, you know, again, I'm so sorry, Vancouver. I know you're really open for it in, in Canada, but and now you're just going to get made fun of by the rest of the Canadian teams because they all hate you anyway. So now they even have more of a reason to hate you because you lost to Boston on your home court, and then you and then Boston basically, and not only that, you know the the, the Boston team, the guy punched the Vancouver guy in the face in the first game, and they didn't do anything about it, you know. Well, that is hockey. <laughs> but what Maybe I loved NASCAR about it was once, once they won, I mean, they were basically just celebrating to the max. You know, each each player, of course, they always do this where they each grab the Stanley Cup and they hoist it above their heads. They're on the ice. But being there in Vancouver, it was just very I was watching that. and I was thinking, man, this is uh, this is tense. See, that's the difference. Though. The fans that were in the arena, for the most part, were very respectful. They were cheering. There was one guy that was from Vancouver on Boston's team. They cheered him very loudly. were very happy. Yeah, that's the ones true. That's in true. the arena. Actually, they showed some class and, you know, they they were good fans. It's the ones that didn't even go to the game that just decided to trash the city. And you got to wonder why. Why they feel the need to do that? Uh, but it's beyond me. But. <laughs> well, unfortunately, you know the NHL is over now, and uh, they may they may even be heading back into a lockout in a couple of years. There's been talks of that going there's some on. Some labor issues there. There's some labor issues with the NBA. So there's a lot that's still up in the air. <sighs> What's going on with the NFL? The lawyers couldn't. Come, the lawyers got heated the other day. It did. It got very heated, from what I understand. And who knows? I'm. I'm still not sure we'll have a season. So you got to wonder how Cam Newton feels after taking all that money while he was at Auburn, and now he's in uh, in the NFL and he's going to be in a lockout. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> I hope he took enough at Auburn to be able to hold him over. Yeah, I think Terrell Pryor <laughs> will probably be okay too when he gets picked. How up How stupid is Terrell Pryor that he didn't go to the CFL? If he can get on with a good team, he could probably make it. But uh, but he could have been a starting quarterback. He could have been a starting quarterback. He's probably going to end up being a tight end or a receiver. And listen, let me just say this to all the fans out there because I, I, I honestly believe this. There's nothing wrong with the CFL. 
No. The, uh, there's the, Marty, Marty Schottenheimer's in there. Yeah. I mean, I mean there's some good coaches in the CFL. He went up to the CFL. Yeah, it's basically become a D league. An NFL D league development league. And, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that. And and why why would Terrell Pryor, a guy who is only really fit, and I know Mel Kiper Jr. said this, and I don't put a lot of stock into the things that he says, and that's not just because he works for the mothership. Uh, it's also because you know he. Anyway, let me just go on to say that he said he was a tight, he would be a third, fourth round tight end, and I I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah, I, I Terrell Pryor, that, if if he can actually catch, which none of us have seen that, but if he could actually catch, he'd probably be a decent tight end. I mean, that's the build that Terrell Pryor is. So why would somebody who's only fit to be a third, fourth round draft pick as a tight end in the NFL and probably would just sit the bench anyway, not take? a starting quarterback position in the CFL where he's probably going to make a decent living. Yeah, there's no labor issues in Canada right now. I mean, we're sitting here doing a podcast because we can't even make, you know, $25,000 a year and this guy's wanting to make a hundred grand in the CFL and he won't do it because he thinks he's going to go in the NFL. It's not going to happen to Earl Pryor. Wake up and smell the roses. You're done. So, anyway, I don't know. But listen, that's uh, we're coming to the end of our first podcast. As I said, this has been the very first one of the, uh, the Right to Talk Sports Network with Nick O'Kelly, Drew Howard. It's been so great to have you here. We hope that you'll tune in. We're going to do this several yep. nights a week, probably four nights a week, Monday yep. through Thursday. And I want to give a big thank you and shout out to our friends at songjinglesandgifts.com for providing us with the music. Thank you. Yeah, you know, listen, uh, I'm actually one of the co-founders of that website, and I'm going to go ahead and do a, 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 a segment that we like to call Shameless Self-Promotion. We have another podcast. It's an entertainment podcast. Uh, Drew and I are also on that as well with Derek Tazy. Uh, so we'll go ahead and, and give a shout out to that as well. You'll hear a jingle here in just a few minutes, but songsjinglesandgifts.com. You want a song? You don't know how to write one? But you want to get one for your loved one or, or perhaps a jingle for your small business, come on into songsjinglesandgifts.com. We, uh, we can create it for you. That's what we do. You give us the specs. We make the music. It's all for you. Songsjinglesandgifts.com. That's who sponsored this great show. We really appreciate them coming on board and helping us do this tonight. Uh, we, like Again, we just, we just thank them for being here. Uh, again, we're going to try to do this uh, show uh, four nights a week. Maybe even five. <laughs> we'll uh, see how it goes and what all we've got to talk about. Yep, yep. But uh, please tune in. Uh, you can hear us uh, every night here at the same place, same time, same bad channel. And uh, again, for Drew Howard, this is Nick O'Kelly. We really appreciate it. Right to Talk Sports Network, Right to Talk Sports Radio Show. Thanks a lot. Have a great evening, and we'll see you next time.